What's going on, friends and fans? Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to another edition of the Sales and Marketing Podcast. This week brought to you by our friends at 032outsourcing.com. Increase your productivity and profitability by outsourcing tasks to free up your time and grow your business. 032outsourcing.com. All right, friends, if you're ready, I'm ready. Sales and marketing advice straight ahead, plus answers to your listener questions. Here we go. Live from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Ryan Dorn Business Show. Ryan is a 30-year Emmy-winning sales, marketing, and leadership advisor. He has touched over half a billion dollars in revenue and still sells every day. Ryan has been featured in Forbes, USA Today, and has trained over 20,000 professionals in seven countries. Now, here's your coach, your confidant, your fellow business warrior, Ryan Dorn. Hey, friends and fans, Ryan Dorn here. We're talking sales and marketing strategy, and today we're focusing in on the rule of three and three pricing options that I'd love for you to consider as you're presenting your product, your service, your media offering, whatever it is that you're out there selling today. Now, what's interesting is I've got a lot of friends and fans like me that are in the media sales business. And I tell people all the time, hey, if you can sell an advertisement, okay, you can basically sell anything, right? So what have we learned in this process and how does it translate to other sales businesses, but more importantly to ours, uh, ourselves? What I've learned is that when you present three pricing options, most of the time the client's going to gravitate towards that middle option. Now, what's interesting is, and I want you to follow me on this, if we present, and I'm going to keep it simple so everybody understands, if you present a price point of one price point of $100, just as an example, if they say in their mind, oh, that's too expensive, you're out. If they say in their mind, "Mm, that's not quite expensive enough, something seems a little off here, then you're not going to get the sale. If it seems way too low, then you're not going to get the sale. So you've got to ask yourself, when I present one pricing option, what happens in the psychology of the mind of the buyer? What we've learned over the course of the last 30-some years that I've been doing this, but more specifically as I was writing my book, Selling Forward, uh, which, by the way, donating all the proceeds from that book to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. So do me a favor, wink, wink, buy that over on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or whatever. What we found in our research... Thanks for letting me do the little promo. What we found in our research was that when we presented three pricing options, we were following what's called the Goldilocks principle. So if you remember uh, Goldilocks and the three bears, three pricing options, that the porridge was too hot, the porridge was too cold, the porridge was just right. So here's what I do in advance of a meeting. Because I know that over 50%, well over 50%, of my proposals that my teams present with three pricing options, close more deals, I look at that client and I say, okay, where probably will they land? So if the base pricing option, again, just using $100 as an example, because it's easy. If we know they're probably a $100 customer, well, then I want to give a pricing option that's more like 50 to 75 the second pricing option to be more like the 100. And then the next pricing option is going to be, say, like 150 to 175. Now, what I want to do is think about making the bottom option not look exactly the most attractive. Make the middle option look pretty darn good. And then make the, the top option, the most expensive, seem not unattainable, but someone would kind of have to really stretch if they were going to do it. 
Psychology works like this. When I present a $100 pricing option, it's sort of a yes or no scenario. When I present a 75, 100, and 175, the brain goes, well, that lower one, I guess it would probably work, but it just seems, I don't know, a little too cheap. The 175 is probably a little bit out of my price range. I might be able to do it, but boy, that 100 kind of makes, it makes sense. What you've done, friends, is you've used statistics, you've used math, you've used all the things that make me crazy, you know, math and stats. What you've done is you've used basic human psychology to drive that buyer to the middle option. Now, a lot of times people will say, well, Ryan, I want to drive them to the top option. Well, you can in your presentation. So what you want to do is you want to make that top option. You want to make sure you weave in success stories, talk about how uh, successful people have been buying that $175 option, make it seem sort of like a marquee kind of thing. But you know what? It's okay if you can't do that because this middle option still is really potentially going to work for you. Here's the thing I'd love for you to consider. When you give three pricing options, it really guides somebody's brain. When you give one option, it's sort of like, eh, yes or no, it's kind of a 50-50 kind of chance. When you give five options, then it stymies people. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to look or what to do with all these. Three seems to be the, the perfect option, number of options to get people to really buy that middle option and secure it a lot more times. What's interesting, friends, is we had an opportunity to look at over 1,200 business proposals. Salespeople just like you and me sending out well over 50% of the proposals that contained three options almost always closed better. They almost always closed more business. That's why I believe that you should not only go to a meeting prepared with your three pricing options, but you should almost always use three pricing options in almost everything you do. Whether you're selling tickets, whether you're selling software, whether you're selling media, always be thinking about what can I do to present three options to get somebody to really feel good about that middle option and get a deal signed. Hey friends, my goal is really simple, to provide you tactical and practical information you can put into practice right away. Speaking of that, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't take my own advice, right? Hey, if you would, give me 30 seconds here to pay a few bills. Take care of those people that are out there to take care of all of you. We'll be right back with your listener questions after these commercial messages. This podcast is brought to you in part by the outsourcing experts at 032outsourcing.com. Virtual employees save you time, money, increase your productivity, and ultimately your profitability too. Learn more about outsourcing today. Visit 032outsourcing.com. Your podcast host, Ryan Dorn, has his new sales book on Amazon, Audible, and at Barnes & Noble. Selling Forward, Pandemic-Tested Strategies for Sales Success has been called a must-read for every sales professional. 100% of the net proceeds from Ryan's book sales always go to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. Buy Selling Forward today at your favorite retailer. Okay, now back to the podcast. Here's your fellow sales warrior and host, Ryan Dorn. 
Hey friends and fans, Ryan Dorn here answering your listener questions sent in to ryan at ryandorn.com and I absolutely love getting all these questions. It's just hard to get through all the questions that are sent in, so I appreciate uh, this one uh, coming in from Zach uh, in St. Augustine. Uh, Zach asked this question, hey Ryan, using LinkedIn and encountering a message when I add someone to my contacts. Is it worthwhile to follow someone and start communicating or to make headway, reaching out to connect with a strong message? I mean, is it really worth my time? And the answer is absolutely yes. 100% yes. LinkedIn is by far, Zach, and everybody, one of the best resources that is out there. Now, you don't need to be paying, uh, if you don't want to pay or can't pay, the big money to use all the tools of LinkedIn, Sales Navigator, etc. You don't have to do that. It's still an amazingly powerful tool. So here's what I do with every prospect and every customer. With every prospect, I attempt to connect with a very specific message that tells them why I want to connect. In your case, love to connect uh, to help you grow your business, love to connect to uh, share marketing ideas, love to connect to be helpful to you and create referrals here in our community. Whenever you connect with somebody, you want to send a nice personalized message. It's going to increase your chances of them accepting the connection. Then you want to follow that person, not their company yet, just them. So when you see they post things, you can like, you can share, you can comment. Then you want to follow their company as well so that you can like, you can share, and, and you can you know post and comment uh, on those things as well. It's super important for you to have a LinkedIn presence that makes sense. Great photo great about section, making sure your resume is complete, uploading pictures of yourselves, video files if you've got them. It's all about becoming a known entity to people that are out there. And LinkedIn is by far one of the best tools to learn about people, to be relevant and communicate in a different way other than email. Everything happens on email. So phone's a differentiating factor. LinkedIn's a differentiating factor. Hey, Zach, step up your game and go over to uh, their company Facebook page, their company LinkedIn profile. Follow them there. Like their things there. Now, I don't connect with people personally on LinkedIn. Like I, I'm with, amongst my friends and family, I don't have my clients in that group on LinkedIn. I have a separate business persona where I work with people, you know, well, people like all of you that are listening to the podcast. It's not that I don't consider you family. I just, you know, I share a lot of fun and wacky things on Facebook. I just want to make sure I separate my personal life from my business life. So Zach, I hope that's helpful to you. Keep up the good work. Uh, down in Florida. All right, here comes a question uh, from one of my fellow media sales warriors out there, Cindy. And uh, I do media sales in about 15 other different categories of sales, but I have a lot of friends in the media business uh, like Cindy. And she asked this question, even though I'm a seasoned sales professional, there's an area that I greatly struggle with. I do fantastic in speaking with people about their ad plans and their goals. We have a great conversation. Then I promise to create a proposal. Then I realized the proposal is going to take a lot of time. And so a lot of times I don't get around to the proposal or it's significantly delayed. What do I do? So Cindy, this is just a part of sales life, but uh, your good friend Ryan is, is here to help. I tend to rinse and repeat my best proposals all the time. Now let's back up one step though, Cindy and everybody. If every single time you meet with a client, You've got to do a custom proposal. It's no wonder that you might be losing your mind and just don't have time to do it. 
that's why I'm a big fan and why I talked, dedicated a whole chapter in my sales book, Selling Forward, to not doing customized proposals. I know it sounds good, but I don't have any empirical data that doing a customized proposal actually earns more business. It's not that it doesn't work. It just takes a lot of time. So I'm a big fan, and I talk about it in the book, of recommendation-based selling. So what I do is I look at the client I'm going to meet with. Let's just say as an example, I, I don't know, they're a lawnmower company, just as an example. We've worked with other uh, lawn and garden people in the past. So what I do is I look back at what we did with companies like that in the past. I take that proposal, I revise it a little bit, and I take it to the meeting. That way I don't have to leave to create a proposal. Now people say to me all the time, oh, how do you know what to put in the proposal? You didn't ask them their goals. You didn't ask them their needs. You didn't find out their desires. Well, because typically most customers want three things, new business, recurring business, and more referrals. Well, because I know that, I can give them recommendations and whatever their big goal in the sky is, I can work that goal into the recommendations. Recommendations are more like channels I just need to find out from them what creative do they want to push into our channels. So, Cindy, if I'm being honest, and you've known me for quite some time, I just typically don't create proposals after the fact. I mean, I might tweak on things, but I take old proposals, I revise those proposals, call them recommendations, go into the meeting with a proposal, and I'm at about a 30% better close rate because of it. Now, don't forget, based on some of our past questions and past advice, all your proposals should have three pricing options. You should be following up every three business days, following the rule of three and three, three words in the email, subject line, three sentences max. Keep your proposals to three main points. I mean, Cindy and everybody, I think if you follow that advice, you'll just reduce your stress and get a lot more done. So Cindy, appreciate you and really, really great question. Hey, keep those questions coming. Love to answer them. Send them into Ryan at RyanDorn.com. And that, friends, is the podcast for this week. We'll see you back here in two weeks. But hey, if you don't press pause or stop or fast forward or whatever, guess what? Another podcast all about sales and marketing will come your way very soon. Ryan Dorn saying thank you so much. God bless you. Get out there and sell something. If I can be of help, reach out to me, ryandorn.com. All right, we'll see you in two weeks.